Welcome back, Crack fans. As always, I'm your host, Dalton Thieneman. It's been a while, but we're excited to bring you a great guest today. But before we get there, uh, we just want to thank everyone for your support throughout the Australian Open. It was a crazy two weeks, and we had some wild finishes. Uh, We were churning out three or so articles a day to get you guys the coverage you deserve. So we appreciate the love and all the new viewers. If you haven't already, go subscribe, rate, and review the Great Shot podcast. Alex Gruskin, Max Rothman, and Max Fliegner just recently did their first deep dive of the season into the 2018 ATP Challenger season with the brand new Oracle Challenger event in Newport, California. So make sure to go check that out. We also want to remind you of another project we've been working on on the side, and I know we've mentioned it in previous pods, but uh, we've got a brand new docuseries-style podcast coming called Cross Court Chronicles. The first episode will be dropping soon, we, we guarantee it. I know we've been promising it for a while here, but it's going to be Fire and Ice, the Maria Sharapova and Serena Williams rivalry, and that'll be available on iTunes, the website, and wherever you get your podcasts. So we're excited to bring a new dynamic to the podcast realm for Cross Court Chronicles there. So be sure to check that out. But on this edition of the Cracked Interviews, we finally get back to some junior coverage with Blue Chip Junior and current number two recruit in the junior class, Jensen Brooksby. Jensen joins the pod to discuss his journey to collecting two silver balls. Uh, he's got five balls total, but two silver balls at the 16s Clay Court Nationals and Kalamazoo Hard Court Nationals training at JMG Tennis Academy in Northern California, balancing tennis in school, the college recruitment process, and interests outside of tennis, including one of the coolest things I've, I've done throughout the interviews here is playing classical piano. So I, I think you're really going to enjoy this. So for now, enjoy my conversation with Jensen. Hey, Jensen, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. So we'll get right to it. So how did you originally get into the sport of tennis? Yeah, so I started playing when I was four years old, and my parents had been playing for many years before that, so they introduced me to the sport, and I liked the sport more than any other sport, so I just stuck with that. Nice. nice. So did your parents, did they play casually, or did they play at the collegiate level, or what was their expertise? No, not collegiately. I mean, like my dad was like a 4-5 or player, so I mean... They they mostly played like this NorCal USDA tournament, so they were solid, but not they didn't play competitively. Nice. So do they still play pretty often? Um, my dad still plays sometimes. Yeah. Nice. Right, so you picked up the sport at four years old. Did you have a natural connection? Like, were you a natural tennis player on the court, or? Yeah, I mean, I played like four different sports back then um I, I mean i liked tennis the most i mean i i was pretty good at it from a young age and i just it was more fun because more individual sport so i just kept up with that yeah do you remember or can you recall a defining moment in your junior tennis career maybe a, a tournament win or a time in practice where you knew that you you could play tennis at a high level i mean 
not like a, like I remember that I at nine years old I had played my first level one tournament, so I knew that I was at that point that I'd be able to compete nationally. But um, probably the best tournament result was like um, second place in Kalamazoo last year, and that just showed that I'm you know right up there with the top. I think. And maybe talk us through going into Kalamazoo last year. Were you pretty confident going in? Yeah, I had it. I got second in clay courts um, the month before, so I was feeling pretty confident with my game, and I kept it up throughout the Kalamazoo week. So that was that was a good result. I was happy with that. Yeah, that's that's right. That's right. I remember that. Um, so you, yeah, so you got second. You got you were a finalist, silver ball winner at clay courts. Yes. Um, and then a couple weeks later, you did the same at Kalamazoo. So how are those two, those two tournaments are, are significantly different though. Cause it clays the weather. I mean, it's extremely hot down in South Florida. Was that a big change? Like your style of play, did you change it from clays to hard courts or, or did the game come pretty naturally to you? It was pretty naturally because my game, I feel like is really good for the clay. And I, I'd trained on clay some before that, and I like I like playing on clay. So, and then after clays, I came back and trained for a couple of weeks. So I didn't really notice much difference. I got yeah. you. Well, well, let's fast forward a bit. Uh, we'll talk about your summer schedule. I noticed uh, you played Kalamazoo, but you hadn't yes. played a lot of tournaments there. Were you were you training or focusing on different aspects of your game? I had actually played like um, three or four men's opens and one. I won um, Johnson Ranch and Reno, and I also played Tacoma semis of that. And then there was one more, but I'm forgetting that. But I played four of them. So so those were all primarily in Cali? Yeah, like three out of the four were in California. So I just trained a lot and then just played the local men's opens in NorCal. And just, yeah, so it was a good training, but also in local tournaments so my coach could watch. So that was... And, and so was that intentional? Had you and your coach talked about doing that at the beginning of the summer? Yes, we, we discussed the whole summer schedule beforehand, yeah. Nice. And, I mean, being in California, even even in NorCal, those men's opens are extremely competitive. I mean, you had a lot of, you know, older players that had played collegiately or even professionally, probably. Can you talk us through some of those men's opens? Yeah. I mean, there was some good competition in um, the, the three men's opens. Yeah, I mean, I just... There's some good players, and I like I had to really battle to do well in those. I mean, I was just and the, over the summer I was playing well throughout pretty much the whole summer, so that was fortunate because there were a lot of good players in that. And was the style of play a lot different than you're used to playing, you know, national level tournaments or um, that kind of thing throughout the summer? Was it a, was it a major adjustment? In- no, I felt. It felt pretty similar because, I mean, there were some, there were more adults playing that, but the level was good in both, so there wasn't too much difference to me. So you weren't playing too many old guys that did a lot of serve and volley and kind of, you know, change you have to play? (laughs) Nothing (laughs) like that, but like, you know, like mid-20s guys and stuff, so just, So who did you play in in the finals? Yeah, well, in Johnson Ranch, I played Paul Barreto in the finals, and in Reno, I played Alexander Kosmanov. And what what were their backgrounds? Paul, I, I've played Paul throughout the years in NorCal, and so I know him pretty well. He's another junior. Um, and then Kosbinov, I believe, is playing at UNLV right now. 
so he, he's like 21ers so but they're both good players and I, I know I knew them yeah so so the guy who played it plays at UNLV currently uh what what was that match like describe kind of the the points playing a collegiate player he's he's kind of a grown man at that point was it a an extremely different approach to that match than you're used to no, I mean, I've, I've played college guys before, so I knew what was coming, but um, he was playing ball and it was a close three-setter. He hit a pretty big ball and it would come in, and um, I was just, there was a lot of long rallies at the start, and then he started coming in more, and then I had some good passing shots, but he played well also, and it was a close match, could have gone either way there. Well, um, you know, we'll switch gears a little bit. Tell our listeners a little bit about the collegiate process, the collegiate recruiting process, your experiences so far. I know you're just a junior, but is there anything that, um, any tips you would give to maybe like a freshman or sophomore in preparation of these unofficial visits or reaching out to coaches and that kind of thing? Yeah, well, I I think I was more nervous in advance about reaching out to the coaches than I needed to be. I mean, they're they're open to it and just a lot of them will contact you and then just you, there's no need to rush it like just take the all the visits you want to and then just plan your decision after you get all the information you need to there's there's no rush now, are there any you know attributes or or characteristics in colleges that are most important to you like is location a big deal is is the relationship with the coaching staff or the relationship with the current team or, or I'm sure all of those are important, but yeah. are any of those qualities, do, do any of them stand out more than the others when you're looking at colleges? Yeah. I mean, I feel like the most important was um, the relationship between the coach, you know, because I mean, I'm going to be playing for him for a long time. So I need to get along well with the coach and then the other ones matter like location and all the other ones too. But I feel like that's the most important. Sure. And are there any, you know, conferences or, or specific universities that are atop your list at this point? Or are you still kind of taking it all in as a junior? Yeah, I'm taking it all in. I'm considering all conferences right now. and just talking to them still and I'll visit and then I'll, I haven't really, I haven't heard anything down yet. I got you. So is there anything that you would tell yourself maybe back when you were a freshman in order to prepare for the recruiting process, is there, is there anything that you would change in your approach or is there any tips that you can give to our, our younger listeners that are, you know, hopeful of playing collegiate tennis one day? Um, I mean, I feel like it went about pretty well, but um, I just, I reached, I feel like I could have reached out to them a little bit earlier, you know, and, um, just because you don't be scared to reach out to the coaches like in sophomore year and stuff like that that really helps you develop an early relationship and just, and then you can let it go from there. Sure. Uh, yeah. Well, talk us through your, your upcoming schedule. Do you have a lot of uh, travel on the horizon the next few months? Yes. Um, so my next tournament is in November. I'm playing the two futures in Florida and then I have a week off and then another futures in Waco. So three futures in November and December I don't think I'm doing any tournaments in December. That's another training block. And then January, I'll have two futures, maybe three. And then just more futures in February and March. So mostly futures. So when you're traveling to the futures, who are you traveling with? Usually I'm traveling with my coach. Once in a while, I'll be with my mom and my dad. Yeah, that's about it. 
So uh, when you're traveling with your coach, I'm assuming you have a pretty set routine at these tournaments in terms of the day of the tournament when you get there, your first match. Can you walk us through your routine the first that Saturday when the future is starting? Yeah, well, I'm, I schedule my d- routine for the whole day the night before once I know my match time. So if it was at 9 o'clock, I would wake up around um, 7 and I'd drive over to the site and then, you know, do a dynamic warm up and start hitting at 8. And then to be done around 8.45 and then after the match, I would stretch. And then if I, if I wasn't hitting too well, then I'd hit and focus on what I needed to do better. And then I'd work out in the afternoon and then just prepare for the next match. Yeah. So like you would do a light cardio in the afternoon. Just, yeah. You know, so you're warmed up for the following day. Yeah. Um, and then- cool. Cool. So you said you, you have training blocks. And yeah. I know I have spoken to Patrick Kipson recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know he's taken, I think right now, he's in the midst of like a six-week period where he's not even going to play tennis. Yes, completely focusing on on the conditioning aspect. Is that is that what you're referring to with a training block, or can you walk us through your schedule? Yeah, same as that. Like, like I'll just spend like four weeks at home, just training and working out harder in the gym, and you know, working harder on the court also, and spending some time to focus on improving my game and fitness, so that I can be ready to go after that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are, are there any areas right now that you're working on in preparation of college? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm looking like also to college and also beyond college. And right now, I feel like the most important is like right now I'm working probably the most on my serve and also my um, footwork. And then those those two things mostly. I got gotcha. you. How is it balancing, you know, tennis? with school and your social life is there are you, i'm assuming you're doing laurel springs at least yes and ha- how long have you done laurel springs i've done laurel springs since sixth grade oh okay okay so you're That's you're pretty used to that how yeah. i mean how has that been because uh you know most of the elite level players that i talked to have done laurel springs you know seventh yeah. eighth grade on um uh, is it sometimes difficult to motivate yourself uh, doing coursework when you only have like a day or two before a tournament where you have to get a lot done or no, I feel like I have enough hours where there's not too much to worry and I just you just got to focus hard during those hours and I always put out like a good like four hour time for school so you can really focus in a row and I've, I'm used to it now so I don't worry about it too much yeah school and your social life do you have do you have a lot of free time I, I it sounds like you have a pretty rigorous schedule yeah, I mean, most of my day I'm doing tennis in school, so not too much free time. But, um, like, on weekends when I don't have tournaments especially, I'll ha- have some quite a bit of free time. So I just make the most of what I got, really. I got you. Are there, so are there any players on tour that you've tried to emulate your game after? Honestly, probably Nadal because, you know, he's a grinder, and I see myself kind of playing similar to his game and just – heavy spin balls and the competitiveness. So I'd probably say him. Have you been a big fan of Rafa for a long time? Yeah. Uh, I've watched him for a long time and I lo- love his game and his competing. Yeah. 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 So, so would you consider yourself a student of the game? Like do you watch a lot of tennis in your free time? Do you go to, you know, pro level tournaments to watch or 
I mean, I don't watch it a lot, but I'll watch the, I'll watch Grand Slams and I'll watch some other finals. But like, I mean, I I study a lot on my game and my matches, but not necessarily as much on the pro matches. So you so you go through maybe video footage of your own matches. Yeah, I'll watch videos of my matches and talk about it with my coach often. And are you primarily dissecting like certain aspects of your game with your coach, or like yes. does does your coach give you the footage to review on your own? Um, usually, I'll go over it with him. Sometimes on a trip, I'll go over it by myself and write notes about it and show him. So just he wants me to like see it for myself and see show see that I'm learning about what I can correct from my game. And and who is your coach and how long have you worked with uh, he or she? My coach is Joseph Gilbert at Arden oh. Hills in Sacramento, and I've been working with him since I was seven. <laughs> well, shout out to yeah. Coach Gilbert. That's uh, that's yeah. pretty cool. So, yeah. what's 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 Coach Gilbert's background? Oh man, like he, I know he grew up in New Orleans, and then like around nine ish, he moved to Southern California. And then for college, he went to Boise State for a couple of years and then moved to Fresno State after that. Interesting. Do you know yeah. if he knows uh, Coach Clancy Shield from Arizona? No, I don't. So, Coach, next time you talk to him, you'll probably see him tomorrow, but ask him if he knows Coach Shields because Coach Shields actually played at Boise State, and I bet oh. they're around the same age, I would imagine. So. Okay, yeah, I'll ask him. So anyway, is there anything maybe that our viewers or our audience doesn't know about Jensen Brooksby? Like, is there, do you have any hobbies? Do you have any like interests that people don't know about? Yeah. So, I mean, for hobbies, like the best things I like doing most of my free time are I, I love playing piano and I love watching um, sports and then I ping pong because, you know, it's just so many times. <laughs> like who, who do you typically play ping pong with? Oh, you know, I'll play with my dad and just guys at my club and stuff like that. Like, it's so much fun. Like, it's similar to tennis. So you got the reflexes and it's all fun. Do you all have a table at the house or, or at the club? Yeah, um, I got a table at my house and also at the club. So I'll, I'll play both places. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm uh, the oldest of four boys. So my three younger brothers yeah. and I always, and Presley, who you know of, uh, we play we play a lot of ping pong. That's for sure. It's a good time. But uh, with with the piano, when did when did you learn piano? I started playing piano around eight years old, actually, and so I play pretty often. Is there a specific era or or type of music that you like to play? I play mostly like classical songs, and but I'll mix it up also. And is that part of uh, your curriculum with Laurel Springs, or is that kind of an extracurricular? No, no, it's, it's just something I play for fun because I've played it for so long. And it's just, I'll play like, you know, like an hour a week or so. So it's, I guess nice. a good hour. Well done. Um, absolutely. So it's yeah. uh, the name of the website. What's what's your cracked racket situation? I have not. I mean, I did when I was like eight, you know, but I haven't actually cracked my DVD, so. Yeah. I love the site. <laughs> <laughs> I got yeah. you. All right. Well, we'll move on to our uh, rapid fire segment. Um, right. Essentially, I'm going to ask you 10 questions in rapid succession, and uh, you're going to answer with one word answers. Are you ready to rock? 
<laughs> yeah, I hope I don't mess up. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite tennis play? Nadal. Uh, favorite drink on the court? <laughs> Water. <laughs> <laughs> favorite meal off the court? Tacos. Favorite video game? Madden. <laughs> if you were to take away any stroke, which would it be? The volley. <laughs> favorite song or artist right now? Mozart. Favorite surface? Hard. Favorite city in the world? Paris. Favorite athlete non-tennis related? Michael Jordan. Favorite thing about a fresh can of tennis balls is? The high bounces. <laughs> awesome, Jensen. Thank you so much for taking the time, man. Oh, yeah, man. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. <laughs> Thanks for listening to my conversation with Jensen Brooksby. As Jensen mentioned, the top schools around the country have already been reaching out to him, so we wish him the best of luck throughout the college recruitment process. I'm sure his game will translate and will have an immediate impact wherever he decides to go. But um, also wanted to give a major shout-out to The Magician, our producer, and the one and only Daniel Westoff. Uh, Westoff works his magic to make us sound smart around here, so big shout-out to him. We also have a few big interviews coming the next couple weeks. Michael Moe, Ty Kwiatowski, and we still have Blue Chip senior Axel Neve, who just committed to Notre Dame, actually. Um, we've also got Mason Byler, Oklahoma commit, uh, coming for you here soon. So stay tuned. And uh, honestly, we appreciate all of your support. We wouldn't be where we're at uh, without all of you. But let us know on the website. Um, on our social media platforms. If you have any content ideas, if there's anything that we're not covering that you'd like us to cover, let us know there. We love the feedback. Uh, but for now, go subscribe to the Cracked Interviews podcast as well as the Great Shop podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and go like the Facebook page. And don't forget to rate and review our podcast at iTunes. Uh, we're also now on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, the TuneIn app, and wherever you get your podcast. So check us out there. And I know most of you are doing this already. We found that through our, our analytics and our numbers have spiked the last couple weeks. But continue to tell your friends and family about us. Any tennis heads in the uh, family or in your group of friends, please let them know to check out CrackedRackets.com. But for one, Dalton Thieneman and Daniel Westoff, we will see you next time, Crack fans. The final thing is that now I'm not a prince of anything Go take on a kill, anyone that feels so powerful The chip at you, I bring your skin up, everything is confusing You will be good, but you will be more You will be good, but you will be more You will be good, but you will be more Alone every day, it is a praise of pleasure